Hello, this is Mike Foley. And Alexandra Foley. And we want to invite you to join us on a cruise. Drinking and dining with the saints in Croatia. Yes, we are going along the Adriatic Sea in a first-class yacht, and it's going to be awesome. It's very exclusive. Only 30 people That's get right. to go on this. That's and right. it's going to be a very special pilgrimage because it's going to be very relaxing. Exactly. Very, very relaxing. And we are being joined by our dear friend and priest, Father Red Blevins. And we're super excited. He's a great personality. Exactly. So please come join us. It's July 19th to the 29th, 2024. Four, which is... Less than a year, yeah. Yeah. So please join us. Like we said, there's only so many spots, and uh, we want you to come. You can find information on drinkingwiththesaints.com and on our Instagram, at Drinking Saints. Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast with Mike and Alexandra Foley. Where each week, we mix a bartender's guide with the lives of the saints to help you celebrate the feasts of the calendar with liturgically correct cocktails. Let's get started. Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast. I'm Mike Foley. And I'm Alexandra Foley. And welcome to our Holy Happy Hour. On this occasion, we are going to provide drinks for Labor Day. Now, I know it's not on the church calendar, but we figure y'all are going to be celebrating Labor Day anyway, so we're going to provide you some drink ideas. Are we now? We are indeed. All I see is that all you have is beer, but I have a surprise for you, Mr. Drinking with the Saints. Whoa, what's that? I can't tell you yet. Okay. You do your thing first, and then I'll do my thing, because I have never surprised you on this show, and today's a surprise. Wow, I'm excited. A Labor Day miracle. (laughs) Let's get started. Let's get started. Stay with us, O Lord, for it is getting towards evening. And bless our drinks and our conversation. Amen. Amen. Whatever saints there are, Saint Joseph the Worker. Ah, uh, pray for us. Pray for oh, us. dang All it! Right. Now that you said and, that, and I realized I should have probably focused on that for my surprise drink for you. And Saint Benedict. Saint Benedict, because we are drinking what, Mike? We are drinking a magnificent Benedictine beer from Norsha. Norsha. We've talked about this beer before. We happen to have more of it, and so we are going to enjoy it for it truly embodies and embottles the spirit of aura at labora all right, all right. so i'm going to pour the the beer right yes they're very large bottles so we are one it's one pint and 9.4 fluid ounces so okay. we're going to split this bad boy we're not drinking the whole thing yet um, <laughs> one of the reasons why i decided to do a surprise cocktail for you was because I was like, no, we're having a beer. That's not really going to get us very far. <laughs> and I see the size of the beer, and it's it's going to do the job, and then some, so. Yeah. And, you know, we are having the beer first, which does go against conventional wisdom. I was going to say that, Mike. That was my line. Can you please pour the all beer? Right. As I'm sure you all know, if you've ever been to college or not, the old saying is, beer before liquor, never sicker. Liquor before beer, you're in the in clear. The clear. Here we go. That's enough for me. That's not enough for me. Possibly the biggest head in a beer I've ever gotten. So we have um, two different, there are two different kinds of Norsha beer, at least two. I've had the, we've had the blonde before, which was outstanding. This is is the extra Abbey Ale, which I actually like more. 
It's a little heavier. I definitely get the extra. Higher ABV. It's caramely. It's really, really nice. Wait, you cheated. We haven't toasted yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll find out in a second. It's <laughs> caramely. All right. Cheers. Cheers, love. To your health and holiness. Happy Labor Day. I love this. I don't know if it's super. Oh gosh, that's good. Super easy to get, but I do know you can uh, contact them, and they will send it to you through their little mail service, which I highly recommend. It's such a good beer, and then you're also supporting these wonderful monks who have had some hard times. That's right. They were struck by the earthquake that hit that part of Italy a few years ago, did severe damage to their chapel and several other buildings, but they're rebuilding. They're awesome. Very holy monks. It's such a great beer, and we're not sponsored by them, though we would be if they wanted that. Um, You can order their beer at uh, Bira Nursha. I'm saying it that phonetically, B-I-R-R-A, N-U-R... SIA.com. And it's just such great beer. These beers, as Mike said, they're really big. Um, it's more, it's a, almost two pints. And uh, they are about $16 a bottle, which is well worth it. It's fantastic. And then you can also become part of their club where you get it for cheaper. And by the case, it's it's like a hundred, what did I say, 200? 200 a case. That's right. We got two cases for free. I think we've told you before that Mike was teaching a class for the monks on what, patristic stuff? Exactly. Patristic stuff. And through Zoom. They wanted to pay you and he said, No, 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 I could not possibly accept money from you, my beloved monks. But I will take some beer. And so you probably got paid more in beer than you would have I been paid I did. in money. I didn't mean it to I didn't mean to swindle the monks. <laughs> no, no, but we'll do it again. If we <laughs> Indeed need to. we will. It's I work such for a good beer. beer. Yeah. All right, Ms. Foley, did this you know that the favorite. first order of business is listener feedback? We have a listener. We have a listener. <laughs> we got, we have a couple things, actually. We got a very nice statement from someone who is called VRGG. That's all I know about the identity of this person. Hi, VRGG. And they say, it is so much fun to hear stories about the saints, the drinks, and so on. I want to listen even though I gave up, gave up liquor for St. Michael's Lent. Thank oh. you very much. We appreciate that. Even though you are not drinking, you're enjoying the show. But the question is, what, what is St. Michael's, Michael's Lent? Lent? Exactly. Do you know? Uh, I actually, I think I've heard of it years ago, but this is the second person to, or maybe third in a few days, weeks to mention it to me. So it sounds like it's kind of taking off. I only saw it, I think, I only heard about it this year, and mm-hmm. I think it was a, an article in Crisis Magazine. There you go. And so it was something invented by St. Francis of Assisi. He observed a Lenten fast for 40 days from the Assumption of Mary on August 15th to the Feast of St. Michael on September 29th. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so great. That's right. You're a monk, and that's fantastic. And God bless all you, especially VR or G, uh, for those lay people who are doing this. I really do admire you. Absolutely. I'm going back to school right now with the kids. I don't know. I'm not doing a lot of Lenty things right now. Well, in- I like to like keep Chris- Christ in Christmas. I like to <laughs> keep Lent in Lent. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, the article I read sort of gave as sort of like a, a talking point and incentive 
the fact that it was during one of these fasts that St. Francis of Assisi received his stigmata. Yeah, I don't need that. Exactly. So I'm thinking, all right, so Motivation, this is there. an incentive to do this fast that I'm going to receive suffering. a painful stigmata and then be like the pariah at every party. <laughs> Wait, that was your thinking? Well, you know, people with stigmatas, they don't get invited out a lot. <laughs> we also received some observations from friends who had been listening. They were under the impression that we were a little drinky during our last podcast that perhaps some words were slurred and we were kind of slow. stupid people. You know, these are our friends. We already talk slow. I mean, (laughs) we we try to do, you know, the Father Mike Schmidt speed. (laughs) Father Mike. I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. We love you. I'm going to try for the rest of the podcast, talk like Father Mike Schmidt. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Foley. I'm really excited to be here. It's great. We're going to talk about this, that, and the other thing. And and, and, and that's okay if we don't get everything covered. We're just going to have a great time. In one year, you're going to learn all the drinks that you ever need for the rest of your life. Let's get started. That's great. But who do you think My you are? My gosh, I'm exhausted. Do I can't you, do that anymore. Do you think that you're Laura Horn? <laughs> if you oh. have not watched the videos of Laura Horn, Trent Horn's wife, she is hilarious. Look them up. Laura Horn, H-O-R-N. She's so funny. She does imitations of different priests, people, personalities. She's hilarious, pious. She's just like the person you want to have a drink with. I concur. All right. So the other thing that our friend mentioned was that he sometimes puts us at 1.25 speed <laughs> to get through some of our slower parts. So listeners, if that helps you. I actually don't think that's what he was saying. I thought he was saying he he goes forward to 1.25 like to the minute 1.25, and then no, the slurring has no. begun. Wow, so you were kind of drinky <laughs> when you received this feedback. <laughs> no. <laughs> so good to have good friends. Indeed. No, they, they sped us up to, to you know just kind of get through it. All right, well, we should get through this a little bit faster. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, by, by all means. You can't do that with Father Mike Schmitz. You can't go exactly. 1.25 or 1.5. <laughs> So we are still nursing our Norsha beer. Oh, that was actually a really good one. Thank you. I appreciate Nersha. that. It's, it's spelled Nersha. You can say Nersha. So I tell you what, let's talk about Labor Day okay. just a little bit, and then we'll talk about a theology of work. And maybe Ew. before we get to the theology of work, you will be able to surprise me with your surprise. Okay. I have to say, I was like, we're not going to finish this beer. We've had half of it. I mean, we haven't finished it, but we poured half of it. Really liking it. Yeah, it's okay. so good. All right, so funny thing about Labor Day, obviously secular holiday, but it was created by an Irish Catholic. No way. It was. You surprise me all the time, Mike Foley. Peter J. Maguire, who was a founding officer of the American Federation of Labor, came up with the idea and he chose... The AFL? Yeah. Like, isn't the AFL like kind of notorious? Well, there was the AFL and then they merged and then it's the AFL-CIO... And they're like, yeah, big labor unions. But are are they scandalous? Wow, you're such a conservative. (laughs) All I know is what I've learned from Whit Stillman, but that's a different... The AFL-CIO. That was a parody. Go on. So no, well, they were trade unions, labor movement. Pope Leo XIII did approve of all that. Mm -hmm. Collective bargaining, etc. Sure. Maybe recently, or not recently, but 
maybe eventually infiltrated by the mafia. But hey, you know what? Cool, cool, cool. Exactly. We don't judge. Exactly. (laughs) Especially the mafia. (laughs) Hey, mafia. Exactly. (laughs) So he was a Catholic, baptized a Catholic, buried a Catholic, and apparently was denounced and disowned by his father on the steps of their local Catholic church. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like you're trying to sell this guy to me. And so far, I'm like, this guy doesn't seem like a great dude. But. So what happened was, in his youth, apparently, he was a really, really angry radical. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend described his blood boiled at 150 degrees in the shade. <laughs> Again. So this is not drinking with the saints right now, by the so way. So his dad had had enough. And one time after mass or whatever, he was on the steps. And he just publicly said, I am done with you. Do you know how old he was at the time? He was young. I don't know how old. He eventually mellowed out. He was like three years old. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I am done with you. You're like 150 in the shade. Get exactly. out. <laughs> You're the terrible twos. Right. We've been there. Go on. So he did mellow out and then he proposed Labor Day. And the reason why he proposed the first Monday of September was entirely practical. He figured that it was halfway between July 4th and Thanksgiving and that the weather was cooling. So it was a good time for things like processions, protests, riots. Wait, just <laughs> Wait but you said processions as if this is... I, okay. I was just joking. Yeah. But the weather was cooling, so it was a good time for a public holiday. And he was right. It's so weird that the way you think about summer in America is a sort of like parentheses of Labor Day, Memorial Day to Labor Day, right? That's right. And I think that this was kind of arbitrary. By- but kind of not, that he, he actually chose it because of the weather. Well, he chose it because of the weather, but that the fact that, that we think of Memorial Day, like we think of the punctuation of summer as being Memorial Day to Labor Day is basically arbitrary. Okay, that part's true, yeah. Like the two big holidays. But he chose wisely. I I agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go on. What's interesting is that he chose Labor Day and the United States picked it up and so did Canada. But the rest of the world celebrates May 1st as International Workers Day. Sure. And the reason why they do is because... Joseph of a riot that happened around May 1st in the United States. What? So it's just ironic that May Day, which, you know, the Soviets right. celebrate and all the communists around the world, all the communists around the world are celebrating May Day because of an event that took place in the United States, the Haymarket Affair, in which mm-hmm. uh, several police were killed when a bomb exploded. Several people were executed, perhaps unjustly. Where? Chicago, the Haymarket Affair, 1886. So like the rest of the the world chose May 1st for this American event. And America's like, yeah, whatever. We're doing it in September, which is good because it divests of its radical communist and socialist provenance. That is just bizarre. So May Day is May 1st because of what happened in Chicago. Because of an American 1856. event. 1856. Yeah. Did I get the date right? 1886. That's what I said. Like, I heard it 20 seconds ago. <laughs> there, there was no industrial noggin. labor in 1856. No, what? Oh, industrial. Oh, yeah. But And then we rejected that. And then we have our Labor Day. Yeah. And then the rest of the world has May Day. Yeah. Weird. Just, yeah. Just kind of fun trivia to 
entertain your friends as you grill them burgers on Labor Day. And then the fact we have um, St. Joseph Day on May 1st, St. Joseph the Worker, that was an after thing. Correct. So Pius Twelfth instituted the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker on May 1st as a as a an corrective. antidote, uh-huh. as a corrective to May Day. I love that about the Catholic Church. It's like, okay, this whole thing's happening here. Let's baptize this somehow. Winter solstice, we've got this. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting is that when Pius XII instituted the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, I think in 1955... 1955. The American bishops asked if they could celebrate it on Labor Day. Really? Yeah, and and Rome said, no, we, we just want to keep this universal. Makes sense. But the earliest advice for a liturgical celebration of Labor Day came from the American bishops in, I think, 1966. And they said, do a votive mass for St. Joseph the Worker for your, your Labor, Labor Day, Day mass. liturgy. Yeah. Oh. Which I think is actually really good advice. So if there are any priests who are listening, a votive mass to St. Joseph the Worker. I know you can do that very easily in the 62 Missal. I don't know the 1970 Missal as well. Mm-hmm. The 1970 Missal does have a mass for the sanctification of human labor. Mm-hmm which is a very lovely idea. We should sanctify our human labor. Unfortunately, not all of the prayers have worn well over the decades. Mm-hmm. There's an optional collect that says, Oh God, who perfects creation through the work of man. And I was just thinking, you know, in this age of climate change uh, alarm, oh. we really don't think of man's work as perfecting, perfecting creation. Nature. We're more inclined today to think of it as ruining creation. Oh, so it God. was a very kind of like 1950s oh, optimistic, mm-hmm. like, yes, when we build highways, we do the earth a service. Yeah. Like now we're like, no, we're, we're killing mama earth. <laughs> yeah, like, our bad. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. So kind of dated. Mm-hmm. Well, Pope Francis is taking care of that, isn't he? Oh, of course. He's got yeah. the, his new, a new encyclical coming out, right? That is true. I just want to know how many trees that's killing. I'm just just asking. Climate change is real. Exactly. All right. We're not going to get all political on you, but w- I did think the background of Labor Day was kind of interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. So do you think that there are, there probably are purist Catholics who are like, I'm not doing, I don't do Labor Day. Yeah. Because it's kind of sus, as we would say. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is politically motivated. It was, it was to affirm things like trade unions and notice they never instituted a management day or a capitalist day. Right? How about stay-at-home mom day, people? I mean, you know, I mean, we're making the world go on forever. Exactly. Well, you do have Mother's Day. Oh, God, about that. <laughs> no, I meant stay-at-home. Well, this beer is really good. <laughs> Actually, it is. I well, I mean, maybe they should have a rule for every kind of left-leaning holiday. You should have a right-leaning holiday. I mean, I, hey, I have no dog in the race. I'm, I'm totally above politics. You're, you're so neutral. Yeah. yeah. You're so neutral. <laughs> um, but it's not about politics. It's about what's true and beautiful. Okay, yeah. let's move on. Labor should be sanctified, which brings us to our next topic. But do you have any surprises for me? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? I feel like we actually should have this cocktail now because otherwise I'm going to keep little just dribbing off this beer here, which is really good. I've got to put that away from me now so I don't finish it. All right. Yes, Mike, I have a cocktail for you. Oh my gosh, Alexandra, I had no idea. 
I so, seriously don't know what she's doing. I know. I've never surprised you before on the show. <laughs> so we were talking about, you wanted to do something about Labor Day. Mike keeps me in the dark about everything just to keep me fresh. And I'm very, very fresh. <laughs> um, so I never know what's going on. But you mentioned Labor Day. And of course, I thought about Lorla. Lorla. Otherwise known as Ora at Labora, which is Latin, y'all, for work. Wait, prayer and work. Ora, prayer, labora, work. Yeah. So it's ora, also labor. pray and work because it's in the imperative voice, Alexandra. I definitely said that. <laughs> we can play that back. And I definitely use the word imperative in this podcast. <laughs> so I was just thinking about Benedictines and a, a drink. And then I had to like look at your book to make sure I wasn't going to suggest a drink that already existed. Ooh. And then I also know the kind of things that I like. And then the other thing is that part of my Labor Day weekend has been getting rid of all the things in our house. Yeah. And we had a little bit left of Benedictine liqueur. Oh, Ben. Eh? So I found a drink called the Monte Cassino, which oh, cool. I will let you explain the significance because it's so obvious to everyone, especially me. Um, but you, you can explain this where Thomas Aquinas, right? Oh, sure. He he almost went there. Or he did in his youth. Did he youth. die there? No, he didn't. Wait, he, there he is some connection. He died. So St. Thomas Aquinas died in Fossa Nova uh, on his way to the Council of Lyon. Well, we're calling this drink the Fossa Nova then. No, no. This is the Monte Cassino, the Monte Cassino. because that was the mother house. It still is the mother house of the Benedictine order. That is where St. Benedict founded his community. Yeah. High on this promontory mountain. It was sadly raised to the ground by Allied right. bombing during World War II. That's our bad. Like our work, we did that. But a small, interesting side note. We were privileged years ago oh, to yes. host the amazing poet laureate Richard Wilbur. Rest in peace, Richard. He passed away just a couple of years ago. He was a soldier mm-hmm. who was part of right. the United States Army when we we bombed Monacasino because the Germans had occupied it, and we were worried that they were using it as for, you know, shelling us. So we shelled them first. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't the right move. But Richard Wilbur came to Baylor, and he said, someone in the audience just kind of randomly asked him, share a sad moment. Mm. And he said, we were all standing there waiting for the shelling to begin. And there was a Frenchman leaning over a balcony, staring at Monacasino, and he said, Au revoir, monastère. And Richard Wilbur said, And those were about the saddest words I ever heard. And knowing that you're doing it for the good, but it's awful. Yeah. Awful. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So when I hear the word Monacasino, I think of that moment. Can I just wow. ask? I don't want to get too far. Yeah. Lives? How many lives? So the monks had evacuated. Mm-hmm, right. So it was but- only German soldiers that okay. were at Monacasino. So sad. Yeah. All right. Anyway, wow, bring this down. Sorry. Train towards our drink, exactly. Monte Cassino, <laughs> which the connection is it's the mother house mother of house. the Benedictines, yeah. and they are famous for Ora et Labora. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And just very quickly, small side note, you mentioned Aquinas. I think he may have studied there in his youth, but his parents expected him to be, they, they knew he had a vocation. Sure. They expected like him it, to but... become a Benedictine. And their expectation, because they were nobility, they were uh, the, his father was the Count of Aquino, mm-hmm. 
that uh, they expected him to become the abbot of Monte Cassino. Very prestigious. And then he shocked them by doing something unthinkable. He joined a mendicant order, an order that begged for its food. Like my son, a nobleman, begging for his food from this new thing called the Dominicans. They were furious, and then they imprisoned him for two years, trying to get him to change his mind. And he eventually escaped with the help of his sister, and then they eventually chilled out. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Back to the cocktail. No, thank you for... I'm thirsty now. Yeah. I'm going to drink only part of... Well, actually, we only have so much um, Benedictine that we're not having a full cocktail, so that's probably a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) So this drink is called the Casino. Well, I actually have to do all the things, don't I? Yeah, I, I can't help you. I gotta stand up and I gotta pour the drink. You know, be careful when you stand up, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually sitting on a very high stool and I have a bit of a broken foot. Oh. While you're looking that up, I'll share another story. I hate to keep playing the sad card, but another wonderful person who passed away recently was Anne Barbo Gardner, who is a wonderful historian. And I was reading her obituary. She wrote in Latin Mass Magazine, as I do. And she was very abstemious. She went to a conference. They went to a pub afterwards. And she did not realize that cider in pubs contains alcohol. She had two rounds. And then it was time to go. And it said that the the obituary said that she stood up and then promptly fell sideways like a tree. And her, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, she's Alexandra's still on her feet. <laughs> Making the um, cocktail. And her friends wanted to rush her to the hospital because they could not believe that it was drunkenness that was the cause. <laughs> All right. The recipe for the Monte Casino is three quarters ounce of rye whiskey. Three quarters of an ounce of Benedictine which is a lovely liqueur from the 19th century. Three quarters of an ounce of yellow chartreuse. Oh, so we've got the Benedictines and the Carthusians. Very cool. And then three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, freshly squeezed. And yeah, Mike, I freshly squeezed. Whoa. I care about standards. Oh my gosh, so good. Now, Alexander, do you stir? Or do you shake? It's opaque, so you shake. Here we go. That was 39. (laughs) (laughs) And you garnish it with a uh, twist of lemon. Oh, lovely. We are using these beautiful, small, because we're splitting one, cocktail glasses from our friend Lori Thomas. Hi, Lori. They have chickens on them, because I figured chickens work very hard. They don't. They're lazy little chickens. It's your chickens. <laughs> we have backyard chickens, and roosters are just a pain in the neck. They go around, cock of the walk, oh. you know, just pushing everyone else around and producing nothing. Just typical male when you think about it. I don't disagree. (laughs) 
Okay, we have our cocktail. We've never had this before, so I want your honest feedback because Lord knows, as do all of our listeners, I always give you very brutally honest feedback. You do indeed. Cheers to Monte Casino. This is fantastic. Benedictine was enormously popular in the early 20th century, especially with a B&B, Benedictine and Brandy. Mm -hmm. But if you look at those original recipes, they're so sweet. Yeah. Just saccharine, to be perfectly honest. Very clean. ah, And yet it was one of the most popular drinks in the early 20th century. It hasn't worn well. Is that like a rusty nail? What's a rusty nail? A rusty nail is... um, Scotch. Scotch and... Jambui. Jambui, thank you. Damn, yeah. good. You're very good. So a and b is like, oof, very sweet. But a and b plus adds lemon juice, and lemon it's juice. so much better. It adds complexity. So I'm circling back to the Monte Cassino. What I like about this is its complexity. So you're saying this is a and b plus plus chartreuse? Kind of. Yeah. And, and chartreuse. I mean, what am come I on. I yeah. mean, exactly. We love you. Exactly. So why? It's really good. I, I looked this. I mean, I, look, I was looking up cocktails yeah. like having to do with Benedictines or the involved. I mean, I did a lot of. I did so much research. It was like <laughs> eight whole minutes. Yeah. Um, then I finally was just looking for Benedictine um, cocktails. Yeah. And I found this one called the Monte Casino, and I like Chartreuse. We have yellow mm-hmm. Chartreuse. I wanted to use up our Benedictine. Also, now that we've u- we're using it up, I'm like, this is actually really good. We got to buy another bottle. Yeah, I know. But anyway. Why do you think they, when they invented this recipe, that they added chartreuse for a Monte Cassino? I know. Well, I mean, oftentimes the people who design these things aren't super accurate about, if, if they're thinking of like, I'm going to make a Catholic cocktail. No, I've, uh, I've met those kind of people, Mike. Exactly. I'm, I'm the so real I'm, shysters. I'm, they're just trying to make money. <laughs> I'm making cocktails that are like vaguely related to Satan. I know. I it's, know the type. It's pathetic. It's so it's like a form of, is it usury? No, simony. <laughs> I don't liquor simony. I don't know. Saintly simony. Well, I will say this. Benedictine liqueur itself has a shady background. There was <laughs> some, now. some dude, some Frenchman in the 19th century claims that after the French Revolution, he went through his noble family's library and found this ancient recipe for an herbal liqueur that had been once produced by a local Benedictine abbey. We are now of the opinion that he just made the whole thing up. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So he was a shyster. <laughs> You're trying to highlight. Exactly. I'm not a shyster. I'm not a shyster. That guy was that guy's a shyster. shyster. So he named it Benedictine. He put D-O-M on every bottle, which is another motto of the Benedictines. D-M-O et maximo, to God, the best and the greatest. But the Benedictines have never seen a penny from this liqueur. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and maybe that's fair because they probably never invented the darn thing to begin with. No, but yeah. So maybe they should, like, let's do a little bit more of your labora. Yeah. Let's or on this and do a little labora <laughs> and then maybe come up with like something that's extremely similar. Yeah. That's called like actual Benedictine. <laughs> yeah. So I can't believe that. That this, I'm like, so, this I, benefits I'm like. I'm sorry, Alexander. I didn't mean to like, you know, depress you. I mean, we've talked about several people dying. <laughs> <laughs> we, dr- we drank beer. 
this yeah. drink is really good. Yeah. <laughs> we so, drink, what so, I was going to say, we drank beer yeah. from, that's actually made by monks. And now we're that drinking a liqueur that's made by a shyster posing as monks. That is correct. Well, this is why you make the drinks. But we're also drinking yellow chartreuse made by real Actual, Carthusians. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it evens out. It does even yeah. out. It's and great. this is really good. It's really good. I'm re- <laughs> I just spilled his drink. I don't know. This drink obviously is pretty. We're not drunk people. <laughs> we're not drunk people, and we're not drunk, comma people. <laughs> All right, maybe time to wrap it up. This is the we worst. haven't even talked about the theology of work. Oh, okay, let's do that. Oh, who gives a crap no, no, about no. work? <laughs> we're avoiding work this weekend. It's Labor Day. Yeah. All right, so... Tell me about the theology of work. I was going to go into a big theology of work, but I'm just going to cut it short. I want I want five minutes on the theology of work because I feel like my whole life is work. I feel like I work from dawn to dusk, and I would like, I don't know... Some, like, pick-me-up? Like, yeah, pick-me-up, exactly, like a pep talk. All right, so one thing I would recommend to our readers is a book that we are currently reading by Dom Hubert Zeller, who was a Benedictine monk from England mid-20th century, and it is called, We Work While the Light Lasts. It's a quote from the Gospel of John. Alexander and I have had a lovely relationship to reading together. When we were first married, we would go to Sunday Mass and then come home and And (laughs) read each other chapters of Joseph Pieper's Leisure as the Basis of Culture. And it was a delightful work. And it made us feel really good about leisure. So it's been really interesting reading Zeller because he's far more practical. So Pieper's whole point was, especially because of Marxism and also to a lesser extent capitalism, mm-hmm. uh, there has been a quote-unquote totalization of work. Sure. Where, where we are, where man, we are, man we is work. just this, he's either a consumer or a producer and he's nothing more. I mean, seriously, raise your hand if you don't feel that, that your value as a human being is what you do. Yeah. Like, that is just infectious. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, he's really critical. He's writing in the 50s. He's really critical of Soviet uh, Marxism. But he's also critical, like I said, of a kind of capitalism that would, would drain us of our transcendent dignity. So anyway, he's really good. This is an important conversation. But... What occurred to me reading Zeller is that he's got a different definition of work Hmm. as Zeller. Zeller is a Benedictine monk. And so Zeller is like, yeah, we just keep working till the day we die and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? No, that sucks. I want to retire at 75. Like, I don't don't want to work till the day I die. But Pieper and I were thinking of work as your occupation. Right. The, the paycheck. Yeah. Whereas Zeller, as a Benedictine, it's like, uh, work is getting up in the morning and making your bed. Work is making sure you exercise every day. Yeah. Work is making sure that you do your prayers. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit different, but that you do this, you do that, you connect with these people, like that work is actually just the art of your life as opposed to how I make money. That's right. And as a stay-at-home mom, seriously, that's how I don't, I don't make any money. I think about the work of my life as those things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So 
just, uh, I mean, Peeper's definition of work is fine and, right. it, and it does its job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I find that reading Zeller has been refreshing to realize, no, it's all one seamless thing that making dinner for my kids once every five years. <laughs> True story. Uh, and, uh, and and going to, to Baylor to teach, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's all part of the same sanctification of my life. Yeah. I, I can imagine, again, I'm a, I don't bring in a paycheck, um, but I can imagine that it must be very hard for people who do bring in a paycheck to think about the work of their life different from their paycheck. That the work yeah. of your life is all the things that you do that you will do every day until the day that you die and kind of in a joyful way. Yeah. Like in a po- in a positive way. I want to die doing the things that I do today. Wow. I don't want to retire. Yeah. I don't want to re- personally I don't want to retire from anything that I do. I don't I mean except homeschooling. <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> homeschooling is teaching and yeah. I want to be a teacher of some kind to my, my friends, to my grandchildren. I want to be teaching until the day that I die yeah. as an evangelist of some kind. Yeah. Nothing I do in my life do I want to stop doing, wow. retire from. That's really cool. So lit. <laughs> <laughs> She's joking. No, I, she, she is serious. She's, Alexander, you are a lovely worker. Very hard worker. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying that because you are an extremely hard worker. We both, like, we just work so much. And that's that's part of the problem as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's good to turn it on, but it's also good to turn it off. Right. So this is where I respect people, like, leisure people. Leisure. Leisure um, people, peeper people. <laughs> leisure people, people. But, you know, liturgy is a form of, I mean, you kind of see it either way. It, it's kind of a form of work in the sense that it is Hard. performance. Yeah, especially for the MC. Um, it's work. Okay, just to, to back up. But it's you, also leisure. You just uh, like cross the bridge. Oh, dear. Um, so for, no, for leisure, for peeper, leisure is, is like the highest form of leisure for peeper is liturgy. Which, I think, yeah. Which is what like completely frustrated me about reading him when we did back in the day. Yeah. Because you're kind of like, good times. Good times. <laughs> so like, uh, I finally get time to have downtime and I'm supposed to be like doing the divine office. And that, I find that, Annoying. Well, you know that I have a, at least historically, a, a different attitude. You do. Your idea of a good time is staring at an altar. Exactly. So Alexander is alluding to a chapter of my life before I met the love of my life, Alexandra. I That's was, me. I was dating a young woman and uh, went on a few dates, wasn't working out. And so we had the inevitable breakup. And this particular breakup, as some breakups are wont to do, kind of turns sour. And the young woman tried to find the greatest accusation she could make against me. And she drew her breath and said, your idea of a good time is getting together and staring, staring at, at an, an altar. altar. And I was like, yeah, it is. Like, what's, what's wrong with that? <laughs> that's, that's the best you got. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the worst criticism you can make of Mike Foley. I'm doing Amazing. pretty damn good. <laughs> And I remember you told me that one of our early dates, and I was like, oh, that doesn't seem like you at all. And like three months later, I was like, no, that is him. And I actually <laughs> She loved, was right. <laughs> she was right. And I actually I actually love that about him. Aww. Even though it annoyed me at times. Oh. Like yeah. when we were dating, you'd be I like, heard out about altars. I'm sorry. You do. And like we were dating, and you want to be like, let's pray the divine office. And I'd be like, uh. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, word to the wise, to the single gentleman listening, getting your love interest to pray the divine office with you, not always a turn on. But I would say to that same listener, it's not always a turn on, but it's actually a great foundation for marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we did those things. Like it wasn't like, you know, I, I came fr- from more of a secular life. I loved just having a good time. And you brought this like very, you know, serious and beautiful and you were fun too, but this very serious kind of idea of the, the, the plan of life. On the plus side, I will share with you also one of my favorite quotes from the biography of Frank Sheed, who was the founder of Sheed and Ward Publishing, mm-hmm. translated the Confessions. I read his biography by his son, Wilfred. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> Wilfred Sheed happened to know for a fact that he was conceived during the Triduum when his mother and father visited Rome. <laughs> That's How T-M-I. Wilfred learned this information, I do not know. But he said, yes, when my mother and father visited Rome and went to the high liturgies of the Triduum, I was conceived. And then he adds, liturgy was fire and ice to my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this drink is fire and ice. (laughs) This drink is fire and ice to me. (laughs) Wait, that sounded really bad in a different (laughs) way. I love that quote about Maisie, Maisie Uh, Ward. Maisie Ward, pray for us. We we just love you so much. The Wards were wonderful. All right, this has been an interesting podcast. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I actually feel really buzzed now, and I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I, we split I, that drink exactly. <laughs> Those darn Norsha monks. Exactly. This is on them. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. We, if you still are, wish you a blessed Labor Day. Don't forget, you can listen to us on one point five speed. Exactly. All right, have a great Labor Day, Aura Labora, but make sure you do more Aura than Labora. Indeed. God bless. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Please get in touch with us via email at podcast at drinkingwiththesaints.com. Or on our Instagram page at Drinking Saints. And find Drinking with the Saints book series at drinkingwiththesaints.com or wherever fine books are sold. The Drinking with the Saints podcast is produced by Back Row Media.